This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for What in the World with Paul Seaburn. He's the guy in the blue shirt, and his sidekick, John Donalo, who is rooting for the Browns. Yay! Oh, oh um, yeah. Training camp has started, and uh, <laughs> looking forward to it. optimist. No, I am the eternal hey, optimist. <laughs> you know, hey, the Guardians are doing fairly well right now, so we got to be optimistic about the Browns. Don't give me the, that look. And the <laughs> Dallas Wings are probably going to go into the playoffs. So, hey. Oh, good yeah. good yeah, news on the yeah. sports front then. Good. I okay. Did we get all this optimism out of the way now? <laughs> sure. <laughs> for, for three teams that that, that – Every year we cheer for and never get farther than uh, two or three playoff rounds. Or or in the Browns case, wait a minute. No, no. This is what in the world? Wait, this is <laughs> you're not listening to sports radio here. Let me get everything out. Good recovery, Paul. Good recovery. Yeah. There we go. We get get into the right universe here. This is what in the world? Everybody's straight. Oh, look at this. I'm all messed up. Everybody's favorite weird news show. Real news, sometimes strange, always funny. That's our motto. I am Paul Seaburn, your host, in your ear or in your face if you're watching us on uh, YouTube, which we ask everybody to to uh, visit us on YouTube occasionally at least because we do have some photos that we like to show uh, during the during the podcast, and uh, it's always fun to take a look at those. Um, that the first voice you heard was uh, the lovely and talented Karen Hale, our uh, media mogul, New Cleveland at NewClevelandRadio.net, our producer and our co-host. Please go visit NewClevelandRadio.net. You find out how to download us, how for free, um, how to download all the other great podcasts that Karen has, and um, uh, and all that good stuff. And then uh, the other voice in your ear is John Denalo, our host, uh, co-host, and um, host of What in the World of Sports. Hey, John. Hey, Paul. Hey, Karen. Uh, hey, it's John. Tuesday. It's time for another great show. That's right. That's right. And John, if you haven't figured it out by now, he has a Browns hat on, so he's getting into the training camp mood. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get him right out of that, too, because I've got a ton. Believe it or not, for, for a change, I have a ton of sports stories. So uh, we've got oh, some good. strange sports that might end up on John's segment one of these days. You never <laughs> know, but um, I'm going to touch on him a little bit here. What else do I have? Um, oh, oh, I'm going to defend the Loch Ness Monster. You know, everybody, I, I love the Loch Ness Monster. Um, somebody insulted the Loch Ness Monster last no. week, so I'm defending them. Uh, it whatever it might be, a bunch of strange collections. uh, For some reason, the news this week was about people collecting strange things in large quantities. So we're going to learn about those. Uh, One of them I I talked about on Facebook. That's the lady with the world record Winnie the Pooh collection. So just to get you all excited. um, (laughs) (laughs) A couple of sports here, John. A Formula One tractor and a bowling stock car. So we're going to be talking about those. Should uh, be interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fake horses that will make you rich. This is this could be our next business. Um, unusual runners, another sports story. In Death Valley and Washington, two different things are happening in those places, and, and it's tied to the running sports. So we'll find out about that. Bunch more odd news. We've got uh, uh, trivia this week, some interesting trivia stories based on uh, the, the strange news. Uh, John's got another, uh, his own great sport for us this week. And uh, I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's a um, it's an update on a sport that we've talked about before that was a very popular, fun sport. So, uh, and then we play everybody's favorite weird news game, Bluff the Co-host. So um, I think that's about it. I wanna do a couple of shout outs. I wanna do a shout out to Jay. Um, I hear from Jay all the time. He's a big fan of the show. So I thought I'd say hi, Jay. And also to Brian um, uh, down in West Virginia. Uh, John and I both know Brian uh, from from many years ago. We want to say hi to Brian. Thanks for all your input uh, and feedback. And uh, you are all welcome to give us input and feedback. You can contact me on Facebook. Karen's got uh, uh, ways to contact her on NewClevelandRadio.net. John doesn't want to hear from anybody, okay? He's uh, <laughs> he's, staying, he's living low. <laughs> well, he'll, he's going to let us deal with all of you. So sure. let's get right to it with um, 
with our first, oh my, this is, I, I, I titled it in my script, a public service announcement here. This is a public service announcement for fans of the Loch Ness Monster. Um, you know, my favorite monster because uh, it contributes more to the economy of the city of, of uh, Inverness where the, the Loch is than any other monster in the world. So I, I, I salute you, Loch Ness Monster. Now, somebody's picking on him or her. Uh, in the past week, an unnamed tourist, they, they refused to give their name, They're a terrible thing. Uh, they got on a travel website, so they were visiting Loch Ness last week. They went out to the website TripAdvisor, everybody's heard of TripAdvisor, you know, it's like the Yelp of travel, uh, and they gave the Loch Ness a one-star rating. Why? They, they complained because they never saw the Loch Ness Monster. Really? A week. Wow. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. You know, this, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. This sounds like somebody who didn't get their little chocolate mint on the pillow and they, they didn't <laughs> want to complain about the maid, so they're complaining about everything. You know, it's like, geez, you know, I've been to Rome. I've been to Rome. I never saw the Pope. That doesn't mean the Pope doesn't exist. Um, been to London, never saw the Queen or the King or, or any of those royal people. And that, that doesn't mean they don't exist. I, we live in Cleveland. We never, we were just talking about this. I've never seen the Guardians win the World Series. That doesn't mean they don't exist. <laughs> right. Well, that's a good point. That's very good logic there. That's right, John. That's what that's what I'm here for, logic. <laughs> I guy, that's it. So, 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 and now this is the other comment that this unnamed, unnamed person made. I went for a swim in Loch Ness, and it was the wettest water. I have ever encountered. And wettest water, yeah. My my comment to that is of course it's wet. It's because a lot you were swimming in Loch Ness Monster P, which makes the water oh. wet. Right? Yeah. I mean, so so then, then they, they continue. <laughs> this is this is a really irritated person. The man at the shop, so there's you know, there's shops all over the place. Man at the shop told us that if we sat perfectly still on the bench. We were more likely to see him, but we didn't see a thing. Lots of people were in and out of the shop and were usually laughing quite loud, which could have scared him away. You know, it wasn't you splashing in the water that scared him away, maybe. Um, even that guy in Ireland with the, you know, the one that watches 24-7 to <laughs> catch all the Loch Ness monsters. Oh, yeah, that's he, our friend. He's upset about this. Yeah, he... You know, he, he wants these people out of his viewfinder so he can go go back to watching for the, the Loch Ness Monster. So, so there's my public service announcement, Loch Ness Monster. If you're listening, you're welcome. We believe in you, or at least I do. So um, just keep doing what you do. That's right. <laughs> Acting like a log. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to, uh, all right, so here's, a, here's our first sports story for the week. Really kind of a weird weirdish angle on sport. This comes from Belarus over, you know, where all the fighting's going on. Uh, so this company, the Minsk, M-I-N-S-K, Minsk Tractor Company in Belarus has unveiled a Formula One car built out of tractor parts. So I know you want to see this. So let's see if I can uh, pull the photo up here. Uh, there we go. All right, look, take a look at that. Wow. So this is... Yeah, it's a, for those of you who can't see it, it's, it's a tractor in the loosest sense of the word. Um, it does have big tractor tires and a big tractor front and looks like maybe some kind of plowish device in the front of it. It says Belarus tractors on the side, um, but it's really long. It's really, really much longer than a tractor would be and much lower, I guess. So to, to look more like a, a racer, would you say that, John? Yeah. I'd agree. Yes, absolutely. Okay. This, this tractor, this Formula One tractor made with tractor parts can allegedly reach speeds of 198 miles per hour, what? almost 200 miles per hour. With, with, you, do you see a windshield down there? I'm not sure I want to be sitting on a tractor. Going oh, I, yeah. no windshield <laughs> to, to my side here. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, blow your hat right off, John. That's what it would it do. Would, uh... <laughs> but where you sit on the tractor to drive it 
How do you yeah, actually see well, the front? Good observation, Karen. You have to look really closely. I should have put a circle around it. There's a little tiny seat in the back. Right. Um, I see it. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. In a, and you got to bend over to use the steering wheel. It's really an odd, an odd design, but they've got orders for them. The uh, a couple of uh, uh, ministers, you know, from the government uh, were, were at this show where this was on display, and they were they were investigating on how they could get orders. I don't know what they're going to use it for, you know, but they they want them. I, you know, also Hollywood is interested in this. There's a, there's a couple of movies, you know, Vin Diesel wants to do a remake of his big series um, of, of racing, you know, in crime uh, movies. Only this time he's going to use the tractor and call it the fast and the furrow us. Oh. Oh. I, I won't say it again. Okay. Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise also wants to get one for a plow racing thriller called Days of Turn Under. Oh. I, yeah, I never saw Days of Thunder to begin with, so okay. Um, okay. I'm explaining it for myself and other people like me. Uh, so it's got it's got all these tractor parts. It's got you know tractor exhaust, but to make it really authentic, what you have to do is um, I know there's no windshield, so you just put it on the side. There's a little air freshener, uh, cow shaped air freshener that smells like manure. That, <laughs> oh geez yeah <laughs> add some atmosphere so to speak to make you feel like you're on a on a plow um, um yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> it says it all paul but that that's it that's it let's move on okay so um uh, no this was from australia when, when it whenever when i say australia it really it, it usually means snakes because that's that's the main animal in snakes or in Australia, and it's always bad news. So of course, here's another one. I'll, I'll put a picture up. It's a it's very pretty looking snake here. Um, this is called the desert whip snake, which is a brand new species never before discovered until a few weeks ago. Um, it is the latest venomous snake, and Australia has more venomous snakes than any other country or island in the world. Uh, found in a remote desert in central Australia, but they say it's all over the place. Um, it's, there's so many, in fact, there's so many venomous snakes in Australia um, that if you if you tell somebody that you got bitten by a crocodile, they say, well, it could have been worse, you know, because because <laughs> <laughs> a crocodile just takes a chunk of meat out of you. These things kill you. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah. You know, but the, the lovely Donna and I uh, had a trip to Australia many, many years ago, and we got to um, learn about the many beers of Australia and, and all the places, uh, you know, how much beer they, I thought they drank. It turns out it's all that beer is not just for drinking. It's for cleaning the wounds after you've been bitten by oh, a snake. Makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Yep. In fact, in fact. As the lovely Donna likes to remind me, there's a there there were four major beers in Australia, and one of them was VB. VB it was short for Victoria Bitters, and you know I never knew what that meant. Now I know it's the name that people gave it when they had to waste their beer cleaning the snake bite instead of drinking it. Victoria, I'm bitter. Um, okay. Uh -huh. I guess you had to be there. So yeah. oh, um, that's all right. <laughs> I think we got the joke, Paul. I think we got it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. So um, now this this is uh, to to another scary place. This time in the United States, Waffle House. This this comes from Lynchburg, Virginia. Man in Lynchburg, Virginia walked into his local Waffle House, and you know every town has a Waffle House in the South, certainly. Uh, but he walks in at three o'clock in the morning. Now, anybody who's been to Waffle House at three o'clock in the morning knows it is bustling at that time of the day. There's never, there's never a, not a crowd at a Waffle House, except this time. The guy walks in, he says the, the lights are on, the place is completely empty. No waitresses, no customers, no cooks, no managers, nobody. So you know what that means. Next stop, the Twilight Zone. Um, yeah here's a here's a picture of it so here's a waffle house an actual waffle house three o'clock in the morning completely deserted um 
no reason given. He said uh, he left and reported it to Waffle House, and they they we uh, a couple hours later the manager came came back and said he said there was nothing wrong and he claimed that he was there the whole time. So it does sound like a Twilight Zone uh, kind of thing. Sure does. Um, so yeah, yeah, Waffle House is is the place you know that's always open. Uh, the the government, the FEMA, even uses it. They have an index called the Waffle House Index. Uh, if a if a Waffle House closes, that means you know you're in really bad shape. You know, right. It's, Absolutely. It's of, yeah, it's the end <laughs> of the world. Um, yeah, yeah. As opposed to the Taco Bell Index, I don't know if you've heard about that one, but according to the law, Taco Bell is required to close anytime anyone in the place smells gas. Which is pretty much every day. Um, <laughs> so, Very good, Bob. Very I didn't, good. I didn't know this, John. Have you been to a Waffle House lately? I have not. I have not. You you have been to a Waffle House, yeah? or, or have you? Have yes, you ever in fact, been to I don't know. Interestingly enough, out in Arizona, uh, when uh, I used to go out to follow the Indians in spring training back in the 1980s, me and yeah. my friends, the Waffle House would be a place to go at the end of the end of the night uh, to try to yeah, get something yeah. to eat. But uh, oh. there, yeah, yeah, always a good place to go when you're in a bad mood and hungover. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. So I didn't realize this. I, it's been a long time since I've been in a Waffle House, but every Waffle House has a jukebox. Now, I, I don't remember that, and, and it's pretty unusual in two, 2023 for places to have a jukebox. Um, the, um, they, they also have a recording company where they record music. No, so not just popular music, but they have Waffle House-oriented music that they play at the Waffle Houses. You can request it. Uh, here's some of the titles. Uh, they're cooking up my order. Uh, yeah, that's you know real real song. Life is like a cup of coffee, and there are raisins in my toast, which apparently you know people are shocked to find out <laughs> yeah. in certain parts of the country. Uh, <laughs> you know, but the best known Waffle House artist by far, the Bacon Brothers. You've you heard of the Bacon Brothers, haven't you? Kevin Bacon and his brother, yeah. whose name. Yeah, no yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so sure. now I didn't know this. Waffle House, I, I should have honked my <laughs> trivia horn here. Waffle House claims to be the world's largest seller of several things on its menu. Waffles, of course. Uh, ham, the largest seller, largest restaurant, I guess, that sells ham. Pork chops, grits, and T-bone steaks. They sell more T-bone steaks than any other restaurant chain in the world. Wow. Also claims they serve, yeah, 2% of all the eggs cooked in the United States are served at a Waffle House, according to their statistics. Um, one more, they also have the most waitresses named Flo. So <laughs> that's... <laughs> All right, so I, I'll ask Karen this one. Uh, Karen, when you were when you were growing up, did you have a rocking horse? Um, no, any, but my girlfriend family? did. Yeah, your I girlfriend. Did. Okay, John, how about you? Do you have one? Absolutely, and all of us, uh, me and my uh, siblings, we all rocked that horse almost to death. It seemed like. <laughs> almost that's okay. I have a picture of a of the the. This may have been the same kind of rocking horse that you were on. I'll show you one, the, the kind that, that uh, my, I and my sisters had. But um, you don't see them that often anymore. Nope. Um, you know, yeah, I, other than uh, I, I, I saw a commercial last night, uh, uh, late night commercial, you know, one of those lawyer commercials. Have you been injured by falling off of a rocking horse? <laughs> Call me. I'll make them pay. Uh, <laughs> so um, turns out that um, there's one for sale in Kent in England. And I've got a picture of this particular one. This is a very old rocking horse, oh, as you wow. can see. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's old. That's yeah. yeah, it's haunted, um, according to the seller. She said she had to disclose it. It belonged to her great-great-great-grandfather. And uh, his name was Dick Godden. And he was a well-known medium in, in England in the 1900s, I guess, or, or maybe 1800s. Um, he used it to help summon the spirits. Um, so she's got it for sale anywhere from 300 to uh, $384. That's about the range she wants to sell it at. 
And here's the big thing. Uh, besides the fact that her great-great-grandfather used it to communicate with spirit, she also claimed that it moves from room to room all by itself. She, and this, she says, she is verified. It rooms, moves from room to room. So I'm thinking, John, you know, this is perfect for your house. Um, 300 bucks, you put a beer cooler on it, and it follows you around no matter where you go. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have to go to the refrigerator. I wouldn't have to go to yeah. the fridge. Right. There you, go. you don't have to get out of your chair. You know, hey, horsey. And boom, there it is. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so um, um, he, he said the the spirit that the 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 spirit that haunted the, the the horse. His name was Angela, a little girl named Angela, who was apparently it was her horse, the first one. Uh, she wrote it. Apparently, you know, Angela wrote it. But the daughter, the the girl who who owns it now, hates it. Uh, and and her daughter hates it. So she says her daughter wants a virtual horse, um, which I guess you know that's what the kids the kids are riding these days. You know, put your glasses on and pretend you're on a horse. Yep. Uh, sure. Now, a uh, little bit of of uh, uh, rocking horse trivia. The rocking horse did not appear until the 17th century. I thought they were much older than that, but first rocking horses came about in the 17th century. Um, most more common in the 19th century as a children's toy built by hobby wood wood crafters i think i've got a picture of a traditional style one here hey well john was yours like that no it was That's not <laughs> I, okay. remember, I remember ours had ours ours had like springs it was yeah. like yeah. oh i got a picture of it. don't don't worry i'm, I'm gonna bring back memories i've got a picture right. of the one with sure, sure, this sure. is your traditional wooden one if you go to amish country in the cleveland area where we all live you'll find mm -hmm. Amish uh, woodworkers making right. these uh, really sure. nice. So largest rocking horse ever made. Uh, oh, I, well, I think maybe, do I have a photo of it here? Oh, largest, largest. Oh, um, wow. uh, yeah, look at that. This was in China. So you can see they had to, uh, they, they, they're on a stand. There's like seven or eight people on a stand on the back of the horse, which has got to be 30, 30 some, 40 some feet high. Right. I don't know how long. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 41 feet high, 41 feet by 14 feet long, or 26 feet long. That's how long it is. Um, so, um, let's see. I've got, is this the horse? Oh, there you go. John, did yeah. yours look like that? Yeah, that's the one that was very similar to that. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, both uh, my, myself and my sisters rode, rode, yeah, that's right, rode it until it fell apart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, this one looks like it's been well-ridden, a little rusty. Uh, but I'm sure, you know, it looks like it's uh, in good enough shape that people can still ride it. Kids can still ride it. Now, the other thing that I know John liked to ride was those mechanical horses in front of the grocery store. <laughs> when, right? When we were kids, I think it was a dime. Then it got to be a quarter. Right. Uh, I thought this was really interesting. The guy who invented those horses, uh, he, he originally used wooden horses um to, as the the horse you sat on but but they were too expensive and too uncomfortable so he tried to make them out of aluminum and um uh what was his name uh otto haas otto haas in missouri 1930 so he patented the first metal mechanical horses and um uh, he sold it uh he patented it was it was named the most original invention of the year in 1932 so that's how how popular these things were. Let's see, I think I have, yeah, there's a photo of one right yep. there. The uh, Palomino, oh, yeah. yeah that, those are, that's a nice one, yeah. Yep. That's a nice looking so, one, yeah. Yeah, he cut a deal in 1933 with an with a exhibit supply company to distribute these around the world. And he got a 5% cut on every one of them, plus whatever uh, people put into the, the till. And uh, when the patent ran out, he didn't care. He retired. He retired from the money he made on mechanical horses. So obviously, obviously, yeah, really good, good invention. Uh, in 1953, Billboard magazine called it, called renting these things, the fastest growing business of 1953. Um, so sign of the times. these things are still around. I didn't have a picture of a modern one, but um, the... <laughs> this is this is interesting. So so when we rode them when we were kids, you put your money in and it immediately started shaking. 
and, and I'm going to call it shaking because it really didn't feel like you were riding a horse. It felt like you were uh, on something going back and forth. Um, now, because of lawsuits, they they have a uh, uh, you put your money in and it waits, and then you hear a voice which says the horse is about to begin, and then and then it starts riding. Yeah, they give you a warning. Um, and they also, before you get uh, uh, before you get off, it stops and it tells you now you can get off. So wow. this is this is why we're a nation of weenies. It, it, I'm sorry, this is it. You know, good, good old fashioned mechanical horses and good old fashioned horses that like on a spring like John and I used to ride. That's what we need. You yeah, know, exactly. we fell off a lot of time. And look at us, we're in good shape. You know, if you go to reasonably speaking, <laughs> if, if you go to Myers in Independence, they have one at the front of the store. Oh, do they? Okay. Yep. No wow. kidding. No kidding. Wow. Yep. My Myers is a, a, a fairly well-known grocery store yep. chain in the Cleveland, across the Midwest. I would say. Wow. Look for them there. Um, okay. But there was a rite of passage to ride those. So we could okay. just meet there on Saturday night and ride the horse. Oh yeah, and then go to Waffle House. Yeah, yeah. See if we yeah. <laughs> I'm making sense now. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> okay, John, you're responsible for. I don't think it takes quarters anymore. It probably takes credit cards. So yeah, it's probably a credit card. Yeah, <laughs> that would be in order. So now, now here's another sport for you, John. And I look to see this is a brand new sport. So this will be showing up on on what in the world of sports someday soon. Um, so the first one. Pro stock car driver Eric uh, Alamola, Alamola, that's his name, yeah, and a pro bowler by the name of Jason Belmont decided they wanted to set the world record for the fastest strike, bold strike, uh, out of a race car window. Very obscure wow. in this world record category there. So, so they went to um, this uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway, very well-known speedway, uh -huh. and uh, it's been... <laughs> It's spinning around. So, John, you can see that in this photo, there's a car, and there's also to the left a ball, and sure. there's 12 pins. Yeah, 12 pins set. So they drove to a certain point, and the guy was hanging out the window and flung the ball, and here's the end result. The ball. I, now, I thought the, the pins would have been shattered. Wow. But, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah, he got a strike. Um, the, well, he's um, probably got a lot of a lot of momentum. You would think that ball would have a lot of momentum with it, right? I mean, oh yeah, was, yeah. Oh, I'm, they were probably going yeah. 150 miles an hour, 140 miles an hour. That's what it says here. 140 yeah. miles an hour, and and to make it feel more like real bowling, they were using a rented car, so uh, <laughs> you know, like, like bowling shoes. Yeah. <laughs> there but you go. Doesn't this, John? This sounds like a sport that was invented by a couple of high school kids who got cut from the bowling team. And to take out their revenge or their frustration, they got in their buddy's car. Well, sure. Yeah, doesn't uh -huh. that sound like it? That sounds like they're just to prove a point that uh, they shouldn't have been cut from the bowling team. And uh, it's gonna be exactly. like, you know, so there you have it, you know, uh, this is that's the result, it. this is the consequence of killing us. Yeah. That's right, that's wow. right. Okay. So now here's another sport. This one comes from Death Valley. So you know it's gonna be an extreme sport. Uh, this guy's name is John Rice. And every year he runs a mile in Death Valley on what's close to the hottest day of the year, which this year is every day. Um, but he goes there on, a, on, a, on the hottest day he can find. This year it was 128 degrees Fahrenheit. But he doesn't go there and run in, you know, shorts and a, and a t-shirt. This is what he ran in this year. So there oh. he is. Yeah, this is John Rice. So he's got running shoes on at least. But he also, for those of you who can't see it, he's wearing a uh, balaclava, which is a, uh, a thing over his head, thermal underwear, and a Darth Vader costume complete with a helmet uh, and, and gloves. Oh. Yeah. And yeah. Wow. <laughs> He ran mail. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't know how long it took him this year, but you know, probably ten or fifteen minutes at least. He sweat so much. Um, <laughs> by the end of the race, they were calling him Annika Dry Walker. He had no sweat left. <laughs> oh, He's running with C three PO. By the end of the race, 
he was C3O. He had no P. I, he sweated oh. all out. Oh. Isn't that insane? 128 wow. degrees dressed from What's head the inspiration to toe. with the Darth Vader outfit, though? Well, excuse me. What is the inspiration for the with the Darth Vader outfit? I I, I don't get I it. I guess every year he tries to do something different. So um, th okay. this is this is well, what he he, he succeeded at that. <laughs> He's serious about this, Chad. Uh, according to the write up, he he trains for during the year, so he actually trains to do this. Um, he went. He he lives in Santa Fe, New Mexico, another hot place, and he. Um, he works out in his home sauna, so to, to simulate being in in, um, in that heat. Yeah, he works out in his home sauna. Of course, now he lives in Santa Fe. He just opened the window, and it's the same yeah. as being in a sauna. <laughs> right. yeah. Unfortunately, Fortunately for us in the Cleveland area, we're, we're, we're getting close. I, I think it's going to be 90 tomorrow, but uh, right. nothing like from, uh, from other places. So uh, he originally grew up in England, by the way. Uh, where the only time you sweat when you're running in England uh, is, is if you had curry for dinner uh, before you went out. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> or some jalapeno, yeah, some hot peppers. Yeah, that's it. Uh, very yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. Okay. Another world record. This one is, uh, this is a collector. Okay. So I mentioned at the beginning that uh, we had a number of unusual collectors on the show, collection. This is uh, Aaron Bartholomew, Bartholomew, not Bartholomew, Bartholomew uh, of Colfax, Iowa. He has, uh, he, he's attempting to set a Guinness world record. I'll put a picture of him up here while I talk about him. So he wants to set a world record for the world's largest pencil collection. Believe it or not, this normal looking person has over 69,000 different pencils in his collection. 69,000, which are on display currently at a museum in Iowa. He, he set another record while he was setting up the display. He set another record at the museum when he explained to over 50 kids what a pencil was. Uh, <laughs> who, you know, we, we grew up on pencils. You know, pencils were part of our diet. You know, That's we right. Chew. Yeah. <laughs> so now the number two, the number two pencil, right? Yeah. yeah. So get a load of this, everybody listening out there. Uh, he says he started his collection in the first grade when his first grade teacher gave everyone in the class um, pencils from antique stores and flea markets, which which breaks my heart. You know, he, he doesn't look that old, uh, but they couldn't got, they couldn't go to Walmart to buy pencils. He had to go to a flea market and antiques. They're not that old. Um, the, um, um, you know, <laughs> his, his collection includes, uh, oh, so then after he liked the, having the pencil so much, he started going out and stealing them. He didn't go out to buy them. He went out to steal pencils. So his original collection started by stealing pencils. This is obviously not the sharpest pencil in his family. You're right. Uh, you got it. Yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. Wait. Was he ever arrested for stealing? Was he ever arrested? I mean, if he <laughs> yeah. admitted yeah, to yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. The, the penalty for stealing a pencil, John, is five minutes in jail. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, it's still someone's property and it's not his. Yeah. A, I, I know, I know. <laughs> I don't know. Here's the question I have. Are these pencils? Right. We are not, we're not Wait promoting a, a life of crime here. So I'm making the valid point. <laughs> well, Paul and Karen, are, I'm wondering, are these pencils unused pencils or are they used? They no, look they're like unused, new. unused, yeah. They yeah. Look, they're brand new okay. pencils. Okay. Um, the collection right. includes, okay. um, it says it goes back more than 100 years. It includes advertising pencils. You, you remember that, that we used to get pencils all the time from businesses with their name on it. Um, sure. Sports pencils sure. From, from, from sports teams bearing the team's schedule, mm -hmm. which is hard to write on a, on a tiny pencil, and pencils designed for dial rotary phones which is now something else that he has to explain right. to kids who come in what a dial phone is uh, for those of you uh watching us on youtube there you go so this is a this is an actual pencil dialing an actual dial phone karen and john i know both of you have done that so have i oh yes uh, many of our listeners oh, yeah. can relate to that yeah How about believe that, it or dialing? not 
real quick, believe it or not, I do in my possession, have in my possession, a white pencil that's never been used that had, uh, I think, the Brown schedule, Cleveland Brown schedule from 1955 on it. No wow. kidding. Well, that would, how many games would that be? Eight games? Well, yeah, probably eight games. Right, right. Uh, in oh, fact, okay. it's, it's no. the other side of my Ooh. basement, but I don't want to try to dig it out. But, uh, you know, interesting. Well, no, you don't yeah. want to do that because this guy, will, he'll see it and he'll come over to your house and break in and steal it. Oh, uh, no, no. He'll no. <laughs> break the law again. He'll be, he'll be a lawbreaker once again. I'm telling you, put it in a safe, John, just to be careful. Uh, okay. You, okay. Know, <laughs> you you take out your cell phone today and you come at it with a pencil and it's going to immediately say, Siri, call 911. Um, you know, they don't know what a pencil is. <laughs> the, the phone. Yeah. Right. So most of the collection is number two pencils. Uh, John, you're the trivia guy. Do you know why they're called number two pencils? You know, is it something to do with the lead content? Is that what it is? That's yeah, what I thought. Yeah, that's what I always yeah. thought. I don't know if that's <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's, but I, I'm not even going to ask you the name of the person who came up with the numbering system because I had no idea and I was shocked when I found out about it. Henry, Henry David Thoreau from Walden Pond fame invented the numbering sure. system. Yeah. Number one through four. Why did he do that? because Henry David Thoreau's family owned a pencil factory and he worked there. And they, um, really? like, yeah, the, <laughs> back in, back in those days, in the 1800s, most of the graphite came from England and, uh, they couldn't, you know, it's getting too expensive to import. So they started looking for American graphite and American graphite was not as, um, as pure as the English graphite. So he invented a way, to extract the uh, to, to uh, filter out the impurities of graphite and made four levels of of um, hardness and darkness which he labeled number one number two number three and number four so you can thank henry david Thoreau. Oh. yeah yeah i thought that okay. was unbelievable that's <clears throat> interesting yeah yeah, yeah well, i was learning <laughs> something on the show there you go. Else. That's right. That's right. If you if you don't, you're not paying attention. That's what I. <laughs> that's what we say. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, speaking of paying attention, okay, another Guinness World Record here. And this now this was a very popular story on Facebook this week. I I I, I mentioned Facebook, uh, Meta, whatever you want to call it. It's not X. You know, like uh, what's his name, uh, Elon Musk is doing. Yeah. With, with no more bird. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. X. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I mentioned this on, on Facebook today, as a matter of fact, he's in trouble because um, he's going to, uh, he didn't check his trademarks and the, the, the letter X, believe it or not, is trademarked by Microsoft. So, oh, he's either, really? Yeah. Uh -huh. he's, I didn't know you could trademark a letter. Um, I don't know, uh, X is a good one but i i'm surprised that microsoft i would have thought that some you know porn producer would have trademarked uh, x long before microsoft <laughs> but then again you know all this news comes out about bill gates and uh, and all of his quirks so maybe he had something else in never mind okay well I'll find a <laughs> <here>. <laughs> let's leave that alone let's leave that alone for uh, right yeah Wait, that's a that's a story we're working on for next week so uh but this lady deb deb hoffman uh, of Washika, Wisconsin, Waukesha, Waukesha, Wisconsin, has the Guinness World Record, which she has held for two, since 2008 for the largest collection of Winnie the Pooh paraphernalia. And I use that term in, conclusively, oh I would goodness. say, I guess. She has, she has dolls, she has paintings, she has jewelry, watches, costumes, clothing, all relating to Winnie the Pooh. Uh, 23,632 unique items scattered all throughout her house, floor to ceiling, um, wall to wall, covering the floor. Um, her, her family is, is concerned about her, you know, that she might, it's a danger to live in a house like that. But of course, she just poo poos them. Uh, oh, that was good. <laughs> Where's the horn in it, Paul? Get the horn out. Uh, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, I was thinking, you know, how, how did 
how did so many Winnie the Pooh items come into existence? Was it really that popular, um, Winnie the Pooh? The, the um, you know, I don't remember it from when I was a kid. Um, the, the, the origin was from England, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the, the, the Christopher Robin, uh, yeah, English author, A.A. A. Milne, was that his name? Um, yes. He, uh, yeah, it, it was originally Winnie the Pooh with hyphens in it. And they, they, they dropped the hyphens coincidentally when Disney bought the rights to Winnie the Pooh because Disney realized that it could sell three times as many t-shirts if it put Winnie on one, the on another one, and Pooh on it. <laughs> Which you can't do it. It's hyphenated, right? So, sure. so it, yeah, it appeared in 1925. We're getting close to the 100th anniversary of the original story of Winnie the Pooh. Um, it was appeared on Christmas Eve, 1925, uh, based on a stuffed animal that Milne's son had, Chris, and whose name is Christopher Robin. And I bring that up um, because, um, uh, it, you know, first to point out that this lady's collection is going to grow exponentially in 19, in 2025 because all this centennial Winnie the Pooh stuff is going to be coming out. Right. Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. So uh, 1961, Walt Disney Company bought the rights to Winnie the Pooh. And, and the, the film rights and television and all that other stuff from from the family of, of Milne and um, and adopted the, the the name Winnie the Pooh with no hyphens and uh, it's become one of their most successful franchises. Um, they um, um, the 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 size of Pooh toys range of toys alone ranges from a little Beanie Baby size uh tiggers and and eoys and all those things all the way to human sized dolls human sized winnie the pooh um you don't even want you don't want to know what people do with human sized winnie the pooh <laughs> no i don't want to know today <laughs> john i don't think you have any, any poo stuff in not in your collection no i was not a winnie the pooh uh no, I, I don't have any Winnie the Pooh paraphernalia or anything along that line at all. Oh, no, no Winnie the Pooh bobblehead dolls or um, in a little no, brown. No, no, I can say, I'm honestly saying, man. No, no, uh-uh. No Winnie the Pooh. So, I, I, I thought about this. I thought this is this is too scary for me. And then I realized that the, for one occasion, I would like to have a life-size, uh, human-size Eeyore, the donkey. <clears throat> For those of you who aren't Winnie the Pooh fans, and I can't imagine that 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 anybody listening doesn't at least know that Eeyore is the donkey. And the reason why I would like to have a human-sized Eeyore is so I could take it to bed with me, and 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 hear my the lovely Donna wake up in the middle of the night or, or at like five o'clock in the morning and say, "Get your ass out of bed." Uh -huh. and I can, I can throw Eeyore out and sleep some more. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right. That's okay. a good one. I that like that. One. Give me Get that one, Paul. Get your ass out yeah. of bed. There you are. Okay. <laughs> so not only is Disney making money, um, I mean, I'll do a little uh, travel back in time for us here for um, for many of our listeners, <laughs> including some of the ones that, that we grew up with. Um, here's who else is making money on Winnie the Pooh. In 1970, a gentleman by the name of Kenny Loggins wrote a song. You know the name of this, Karen? You know the name of the song. No, I don't. Oh, House on Pooh Corner. House on Pooh Corner, okay. originally recorded by the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band in 1970. It did so well. It was number one worldwide. It did so well that immediately... Now, Kenny Loggins was only 17 years old when he wrote that song in 1970. Wow. It was so he immediately formed a duo with um, Jim Messina. They became Loggins and Messina. And in 1971, they recorded the same song, you know, Christopher Robin and I, you know the song. I'm not going to put it in your ear. And the reason why is because in 1971, I don't know if it made it got any Grammy Awards, but it got the award for the biggest earworm of 1971. I don't... Oh, it was played constantly. You remember those days, John? It was played oh, yeah. constantly. Yeah, sure. Constantly. You could, sure, you sure. could go anywhere without hearing House on Pooh Corner. I mean, okay. if 
if you wanted to to, to make it with with uh, your date or your girlfriend, you had to play, have it playing in the car, okay? Because <laughs> I remember know, hearing it in the car many times. Now that you bring that to my attention, that's right. That's, that's right. right. That's right. House House on Pooh Corner. So um, Kenny Loggins later rewrote it um, as Return to Pooh Corner. And uh, we re-released it in 1991 and sold millions more records as a result. Believe it or not, and I say this for the lovely Donna, so she's not mad about the the other joke. Uh, there's, and I didn't see this, so we we've been to Warsaw. There's a house in Warsaw, Poland, named after Winnie the Pooh. It's called, and I'm gonna read it here, Kubusia Puchatka, Kubusia Puchatka Street which is Polish for Winnie the Pooh. So there's your huh. last little bit of trivia. Yeah, how about that? There's your last little another, bit of Another teaching point, another teaching moment on what in the world. There you go. <laughs> you just, <laughs> you can't escape. Can't escape. Okay, let's uh, let's bring this down for a minute here. And um, uh, I think that, I, I went out of stories. I was having so much fun. I thought I had another one to go here. I guess I don't. So that means it's time for... Um, John Danalo's uh, What in the World of Sports. Hey, it's, uh, John, every week, uh, for the, for a regular, as our regular listeners know, I asked John, who, who I've known since college. He's, uh, he knows more about sports than anybody that I know, certainly, and, and many other people, too. He, um, I asked him, John, find a sport for us that fits the theme of What in the World. Real sports, sometimes strange, always funny. John always manages to find a sport that meets that criteria. Uh, I also asked him to find a sport that maybe we could participate in. Uh, doesn't always match that criteria. And, you know, more often than not, that's right. More often than not, our insurance won't let us do these things. But <laughs> they will not cover us. They won't. Sorry, gang. <laughs> I, think, I think the sport that John had this week just might be one that we could participate in. So, John, why don't you explain your sport to us? Sounds good, Paul. Thanks for the introduction. Um, so our sport this week is toe wrestling now before you say hey wait a minute you've covered toe wrestling before you're 100 percent correct but wow. today's story is an update on the current world toe wrestling champion there is such an individual wow. his name is toe wrestling champion name, okay his name is ben woodruff and how he quote, toed, unquote, the line and defeated a 17-time world champion. Wow. 17-time world champion. Let me explain. Okay, so this guy's good. So here's a quick update. This wacky sport, which has rules similar to those of arm wrestling, was founded in, of all places, go figure, a pub, and that pub is in <laughs> Wetton Derby's England, uh, and it was founded in 1974. This sport quickly gained worldwide interest when Ben and Jerry's Ice Cream Company bought the trademark in 2006. A match wow. is simple. Two barefoot competitors locked toes on a, quote, totium, unquote, as they try to pin their opponent's foot to a wooden plank when the referee when the referee says toes away the battle begins it's a lot harder than it looks but oh, I, yeah, well, I yeah. feel like to go into a restaurant you had to wear shoes and a shirt and they're barefoot in a restaurant well you know uh, that's that's true. Yeah, yeah that's a good well, it's a pub. i'm not sure if yeah, that's a, a restaurant or a, a someone's but whatever. this is this was uh, you know, it started in a pub care, but it sounds like, you know, this is the world toe wrestling. You can see wow. this is yeah. souvenirs from the world toe wrestling championship. And that, by the way, is, is our champion right there on the right, Ben. Uh, it's Ben Woodruff. I, yes. yes. Yeah. I had a photo of him here with his, with yep. his uh, trophy. So a pretty big trophy, also a, a foot. Go figure. Anyway. That's right. Okay, so John, tell us about toe wrestling. Bring us up to date. So here's what Ben will tell you. These are all quotes by Ben. He says, you obviously have to have strong legs, and you yeah. also need to be strong-willed. And he said, you can gain a lot of power in the sport uh, from your core. Now, 
How did Woodruff <laughs> become the world wrestling champ? He became enamored with it after his parents took him to watch a toe wrestling competition when he was only 14 years old. And then he's I, I think, the, yeah. yeah, I think this is a photo of his him with his parents right here, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. And and he's he's been obsessed with the sport ever since. Wow. He goes he goes on to say, I'm not the most athletic person around, so I thought to myself, what can I do sitting down? I wanted to do something unusual, and obviously he succeeded at that. Um, what can I do sitting down? That's my philosophy, too. I, what can I do sitting down to get some recognition? So he has spent the last two decades perfecting his technique to compete in the toe wrestling championships. Wow. He trains for competitions using a toe stretcher, which works out the ligaments between his toes. The grueling bouts can last up to two hours and broken bones, broken bones are part and parcel of the sport. Wow. So are fungal infections and even warts. Oh, uh, uh, too much information. Okay. <laughs> however, however, he wasn't getting to the big matches. And so he realized that his toenail was causing him problems and pushing into his skin. Oh, as a result, he had his toenails removed. Ooh. Oh, oh! And then he adopted the name "toe toe doll destruction," and went <laughs> after the seventeen-time world champion. His name is Alan Nasty Nash. <laughs> so, in, with an ending to the story here. All of that but work and surgery. This paid is a off. photo of, of Nasty Nash, by the way. That's Nash right there, right? Exactly. Yeah. Now, all that work and surgery paid off for him earlier this year when Ben Todal Destruction Woodruff beat the reigning world champ to, to claim the title. Wow. Now, Woodruff says being 17 time world champ, by the way. Yeah. So, Nash, Nash yeah. you know, he had a lock on it for all those years. Wow. Now, Woodruff continues by saying, being the toe wrestling world champion feels like being an Olympian. He can now say that he's won a gold medal. Which by definition, right there. Yeah. Or he has. Now, so Ben Todal Destruction Woodruff won the world championship and a gold medal. Even better, when he retires, he'll never have to worry about bending over to trim his toenails that's now to me that sounds like a toe doll victory to me oh (laughs) toe wrestling toe wrestling wrestling. so serious that he removes his toenails and and the end result is he beat this ugly guy right here Wow. What's his Nash. name again? <laughs> Look, Alan I, Nasty Nash. Nasty, Nasty Nash. Nash. I like I like the the exercises he's doing there. So, but yeah. man, he would scare me. You'd have to look at him while you're while you're doing the toe wrestling. Just, his looks alone would scare me. Isn't that amazing? Looks, well, yeah. looks like in the back. Oh, wait, wait, looks like in the background there. There was some kind of like uh, blow up foot or something saying the world. Yeah, there is. <laughs> Yep. World Toe Wrestling Championship. Yep. Oh my yeah. gosh. It, this yeah. could have been right before he lost his title. Um he's a pretty nasty looking guy. I don't uh, I don't even want to try and figure out what he's got tattooed on his chest. It's probably <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think we can see that. Either. Me either. Well, yeah, mm. I think well, what a great update to a sport that we had talked about once before, toe wrestling. I, you know, um, I think the lovely uh, Annette, uh, John's wife, um, originally suggested that sport uh, a while back. So um, John, John has since uh, come in with an update. So great, great story there, John. Now, you know, I, I said that we probably wouldn't participate in a store in a in most of these sports, we probably wouldn't participate in toe wrestling either, you might say. Uh, but John asked me not to reveal this, but you know, I'm not, it, it was too good of a story to pass up. So I'm going to reveal it. It turns out that last week when John found this story, he called me up and he says, 
I want to do toe wrestling. I want to do toe wrestling live on the show. Um, and, and you're going to be my opponent. So I said, okay. And John says, but first we have to get our toenails removed. And I said, no, I don't know about that, John. He says, no, no, we have to do it. So I said, okay, if you go first, I'll go get my toenails removed. So we go to this clinic. You know, did you know they have clinics for toenail removal? You probably didn't know that. <laughs> so, so we go to the toenail removal clinic. I, I think it's an independent. I think Karen, you said uh, <laughs> independent Ohio. We go to the toe removal clinic. So John goes in first, and I hear this this moaning and yelling and screaming. And John comes out, and here's what he looks like. So John decided. Oh my. John decided that it was too painful to have his toenails removed. So he just had them painted. And, and wow, very nice. nice. John, by the way, you've got pretty well, well developed legs there. Uh, but this is a photo of, of, of a man's feet with painted toenails. Um, so of course, now I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed. You know, I thought, oh, sure, I got to do something. So, you know, John makes a lot more money than I do. So I, I couldn't afford to, to, um, have this done. So I went home and I tried to paint my nails myself. And uh, this is what I came up oh, with. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that's so good, Paul. Not so good. I'm sorry to say that. Yeah, no, I don't oh, think my so. Gosh. I, for those of you who can't see it, I think I got more, more toenail polish on my feet than anywhere near the nails. You uh, should have so asked anyway, the wonderful Donna to do your nails. I should have had her do that. That's right. But then right, she asked there me you to go. do it. There you have it. Sure. Think, that's right. That, I, I saw that in Bull Durham. And, um, Right. In result, I'd have to I'd have to become a catcher. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, great sport, John. As always, thanks for uh, what in world of sports. Uh, sure. Toe wrestling championship. Okay, we reached the end of uh, what in world of sports. That means it's time for everybody's favorite weird news game. Bluff the co-host. Um, real simple. I have three stories uh, similar to the ones we've been talking about all afternoon. One big difference, those stories were all real, all authentic, true stories. In Bluff the co-host, they could be real, they could be a bluff. It's up to Karen, John, and those of you playing at home to decide if it's real or bluff. Um, wagering is allowed, so place your bets. John and Karen, hands on the buzzer. They're, the theme this week is animals, so all three stories have to do with animals. Okay. First story, a fishing okay. trip in New Mexico. Oh, you ready? Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> a fishing trip in New Mexico turned into two reasons for a man to get his car washed, but he wasn't sure where to find one to remove what his car was covered with. While on his way to a lake near Santa Fe, the fisherman suddenly encountered a huge swarm of lanternflies, so thick he could barely see where he was driving. When he finally emerged from the fly fog, he stopped and found his car caked with dead flies. Not wanting to miss some good fishing, he decided to continue on and get the car washed later. Unfortunately, while he was on the lake fishing, his parked car was discovered by toads crossing the road to spawn, and they proceeded to hop all over his car, eating the flies and dropping toad, pool, toad poo all over it. He returned in time to see the toads and, and he managed to run over a few of them out of revenge. Then he drove to the nearest car wash, which charged him a premium for the special toad fly double wash with extra rinse and carnauba wax. Okay, so man in Santa Fe, New Mexico, driving to go fishing, his car is first covered with lantern flies and then he, it's found by toads who proceed to eat the lantern flies and poop all over his car. Real or bluff? What do you say, Karen? Well, it's so outrageous that I want to say it's true, but I'm going to say it's false. Okay. So outrageous. I want to say it's true, but it's a bluff. All right. So Karen says it's a bluff. John, how about you? I, You know, this is a tough one, but I'm going to go on and limb on this one. I'm going to say it's true. Just, just from the standpoint, it's just so weird. It's got to be true. <laughs> so weird it's got to be true we've heard that before okay and that that Jen, that's a philosophy that has worked plenty of times all right so john says it's true karen says it's a bluff let's check with the judges and the judges say congratulations karen 
that is a bluff. Thank Sorry, John. God. Okay. Well, that's okay. There Karen. are lands and yep. one right. Was was okay. part was part of the story correct? Was part of the story true? <laughs> oh. Was it the land <laughs> no. but, but the toads didn't but, come. Uh, no, nope. okay. No, right. none of it's correct. <laughs> right. okay. Sorry about Better that. Next time for me. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, scores one to nothing. We we still got a ways to go here. Uh, two more questions, so uh, John can come back real quickly. Uh, another story on um, animals coming up right here. Story number two: Runners and hikers at the Olympic National Park in Washington State have encountered an obstacle that no amount of training can prepare them for. Mountain goats addicted to human sweat. It turns out that goats were brought there from Alaska by hunters in the 1920s, but no one hunts them anymore. That means their population is growing and there's not enough minerals to feed their need for their favorite food, salt. A few years ago, runners began reporting getting attacked by mountain goats who knocked them down and started licking their sweaty bodies until they could get away. It appears the word has spread among the goats and the goats have gotten even braver. Now they're licking runners, hikers, and even people stopping to take a leak by a tree. Turns out urine is full of salt too. Park officials wish they could bring in a chupacabra, but regulations prohibit that. So they, <laughs> So they have to tranquilize the goats and airlift them by helicopter to a place where there are no sweaty runners. Okay, so story from Olympic National Park, Washington State about goats chasing runners to lick their sweat. Real or bluff? What do you say, John? We'll start with you. You know, I'm going to say this is a bluff. Uh, I don't think goats are very people friendly, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think that goats, uh, you know, to an extent would have an interest in being near people. So uh, on that on that premise, I'm going to say it's false. OK, John says goats don't like people. So why would they lick their sweat? Uh, there's a, <laughs> there's there's an answer. How about you, Karen? What do you say? Real or bluff? Well, I have to let John know that there's something called goat yoga. And goats do yoga with people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. Wow. No, but I wow. still think it's a bluff because I don't think goat yoga would be a big thing if they were licking you and sucking the salt off your body. So I'm going to say that was a bluff. <laughs> I would, I would pay to see that, but. Uh... <laughs> So Karen says it's a bluff. John says it's a bluff. Goats licking sweat off of runners. Let's check with the judges. The judges say, sorry, you're both wrong. That is a real story. Oh, my gosh. Really? How can that be? That's insane. I, there's so many of the, I know, I know. The, 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 the goats, once the goats found out um, that, that sweat had, had salt in it, um, it became they, they became real pets and they're friendly so there's so many of them that they're becoming friendlier and more accustomed to people so uh wow I, you know I would, if you're doing yeah till we should issue a warning if you're going to washington and you're going to do goat yoga be careful yeah uh, yeah <laughs> all right so score still one to nothing karen is in the lead uh we've got our third animal story coming up right here hands on the buzzer if you think you have a bad job you haven't met an exotic animal expert in Florida who specializes in giving vasectomies to peacocks. Peafowl are a popular bird with many residents of Florida, but not in the numbers they've expanded to recently. Because it's illegal to hunt them in Florida, the Wildlife Commission has come up with a solution. They hire expert, experienced trappers to catch the male peacocks and take them to the exotic animal expert in Miami-Dade County, who says he can perform hundreds of fast peacock vasectomies every week. The birds recover in three days and are then returned to their neighborhoods, where they go back to chasing pea hens without creating any more pea babies. Before <laughs> you ask, he already has plenty of work and won't come to your state to do vasectomies on Canadian geese. Okay, so story from Florida, so many peacocks that they're catching them 
and taking them to a man who knows how to give peacock vasectomies. Real or bluff? Karen is shaking her head, scratching her head, trying to come up with <laughs> well, some way I, to come yeah. up with an answer. So I don't want to get political, but I don't think it would be allowed to do vasectomies on any type of living um, organism in Florida. So I'm going to say this is um, false. Bluff, false. It's bluff. a bluff. Would be illegal to give anything in a vasectomy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. We'll we'll accept that answer and not go any further. John, what do you? <laughs> I'm going to have say? to say, I'm going to agree with Karen because I also think that, you know, I really never given this any thought to be honest with you, but uh, <laughs> I can see from a, uh, from the, the uh, uh, ecosystem, from the ecological perspective, right. Uh, you can't upset the balance of nature in, in a lot of respects. So uh, I'm going to say it's false also. I hope it's right. I hope we're right, Karen. I do too. Okay. John, John, you've been to Florida many times. Have you seen exactly. peacocks while you were down there? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So they are all over the place. Okay. Oh yeah, they are. Yeah, that's so, that's a very true. Let's check what? the tally board here. Karen and Karen and John both say that the, that that story is a bluff. You can't vasectomize peacocks. Let's check with the judges, and the judges say, "Ha ha, yes, you can." That's a real story. Wow. Actually, a man. Really. Exotic animal. That's right. I don't know if he's a veterinarian but he knows how to give peacock vasectomies and that is his job. And there are wow. so many, and you know, you're right. It, 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 it seems like it would be illegal, but they are a, um, an invasive species. They're not native to Florida. So that's the way they get around oh, it. Okay. Yeah. Peacock wow. vasectomy. I don't know if Another I would teaching that. Moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Another so, teaching moment yeah. on uh, what in the world. So yeah. these guys you know, learn something else you learn. Yeah, I know everything. All of a sudden, it becomes a little cringeworthy here. <laughs> congratulations, Karen. There you uh, go. Hey. All right. Well, congratulations. That's right. Congratulations to Karen. John, always a good sport. Karen uh, is our winner of Bluff the Co-host this week. So good for you. John, of course, will be studying hard with his lovely wife all week with the flashcards, yep. getting ready. Get ready for yeah. next week. I got to come back. Right, exactly. Absolutely. You <laughs> will. All right, okay. So we will be back next week on What in the World, everybody's favorite weird news show on NewClevelandRadio.net, everybody's favorite podcast platform. Please visit Karen Hale's platform. Check out our show. Um, you know, Click on it. Find out how to download us, how to find us on YouTube. Uh, and then click on all the rest of her free podcasts. They're all free. They're all really interesting. Uh, by all means, check them out. So I want to thank Karen for that, for everything you do for our show. Thank, thank John as well. John, my our regular co-host, uh, provider of sports and trivia and uh, all around good guy. Thank you, John. Uh, you're welcome, Paul and Karen. And, a, very and as always, I want to thank all of our listeners, everybody out there listening, everybody Absolutely. out there while they're jogging, uh, exercising, watching us on YouTube. We wouldn't do this if it weren't for you. Thank you for, for, uh, letting us into your ear or your eyeballs every week. Um, the, uh, uh, you know, again, if you want to send us a message, I'm on Facebook, send, send it to Karen on newclevelandradio.net. We'd love to hear from you. Even if we don't, we're glad that you joined us. So Absolutely. on that note, um, I think uh, we will call it a week and we will see you next Tuesday on What in the World. And it will be August. How do you like that? Ooh, oh, yeah. Right. It will be August. Change, shake at the calendar. Mm -hmm. Yep. Flipped over. It sure yep. does. Bye, everybody. Good week, everybody.